The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Not underestimate the power of PlayStation. Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond Episode 503. Uh, my name is Marty Sleeve. I'm joined by Alana Pierce and Andrew Colfarb. Whenever you host, you don't say Beyond. Oh, beyond, beyond, beyond. Okay. I also, I feel like you introduced it like an NPR segment. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Uh, welcome yeah, to that's what I'm going for. Yeah. Episode five hundred three. Uh, this it's week serial. on Beyond uh, five hundred three, we are going to talk a ton about Uncharted: The Lost Legacy with both uh, Andrew and Alana. Got to play quite a bit of at an event down in LA. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Pyre, which is a new game by Supergiant, which came out this week, which I played mm-hmm. and I think is super rad. Uh, we're going to touch on the sort of big news from the Call of Duty Zombies reveal and uh, talk about uh, where we've been this past week, which I guess we'll just kick that off with uh, right now. So Alana and I, we were at Comic-Con. Yeah. Andrew was at pretty much, it's sort of like Comic-Con. I would say like a cool thing. It was kind of like Fire Festival, but for a little cartoon JPEG. A fire-type Pokemon. festival. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so Andrew was at Pokemon Go Fest. Uh, we were at Comic-Con. Let's yeah. start with Comic-Con. Yeah. Uh, we've done this a couple years in a row. The Sindago Chamachan. Uh, there's not a ton to talk about games wise out of there. It's actually like a kind of disappointing games presence. Especially uh, for PlayStation. Yeah, there was a lot of Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an Xbox booth that really was just Shadow of War. Mm-hmm. Uh, but aside from that, yeah, I don't think I saw any PlayStation games there, which I think is an interesting choice. But having PSX, like, I feel like they don't want to spread themselves too thin, right? Sure. I mean, it's that whole thing, like, we're in the middle of convention season, so it's weird to go from E3 and then have Comic-Con sort of directly in the center between that and Gamescom. Yeah, but PlayStation also has a pretty strong presence at Paris Games Week. Mm-hmm. So it's like they have a lot of stuff that is more game-specific. Whereas, you know, Comic-Con is such a broad show. There's yeah. so much stuff there. There was a lot of cool cosplay. Yeah. Um, we did an Overwatch meetup that we shot. I cosplayed as McCree, which I've had planned for like six months. Is that the Cowboyman? That's the Cowboyman. Yeah, was pretty good. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The Doomfist was really good. She was, it was, the Uncharted event we're about to talk about, we, we met up at LAX and then went to together and we were at LAX at Baggage Claim and she was opening up her bag and she was like, oh, I have my McCree cosplay with me. And she was like showing it to me. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And she was like, this is the gun. And <laughs> I was like, you can't say like, that. In hindsight, maybe don't do that in the airport. <laughs> like for the past 16 years or so, that's something you really shouldn't have done in the airport. Well, because of cosplay, I've taken a lot of guns through airport security in the past. And I'm always Prop like, guns, fake guns. I'm always like, it's fake. And they're like, yeah, that's what they always say. I'm like, is it always fake? And they're like, yeah, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mostly. 
what did you think of Comic Con though? Like it was awesome. We had this amazing live show that we yeah. did. We did three, four days of live show stuff where we had like Brian interviewed Colin Firth and Halle Berry and Channing Tatum. We were all hanging like, out when uh, Harrison Ford and Ryan Gosling were in yeah. the room. It was funny. There was a point when Zach was like, "Anyone who is not working, get out of this room." And I was like, "All right, I need to make up work to do so I can see what was this happening." And I did. It was yeah, fine. It was great. Um, I think our Comic Con live show was super cool. The set's really cool. Uh, my show was really sporadic and crazy because we're still doing stuff for the IGN show, which is on Disney. So can you just say a little bit about that? Because I feel yeah. like people sort of tangentially knew and we've sort of described what it is, but like, what yeah. is that? Um, yeah, I saw a thread in the Facebook group of someone who thought it was a Disney podcast. You're like, oh, no, no, not at all. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> it is basically what I'm saying. This is someone who has never seen G4 TV, what G4 TV was. It wasn't in Australia. <laughs> so it's uh, a lot of like we have five main hosts and a lot of different segments uh where we cover like you know I'm, i covered the uncharted event for it um we did the overwatch meetup for it we've done stuff at rtx d23 so lots of different conventions and it's mm-hmm. mostly about the people who are on the show just like hanging out showing you cool stuff and also a lot of breaking news and exclusive gameplay reveals so it's basically like it's if instead of having content go on ign constantly we just had one show at the end of the day mm-hmm. this is what it is but with more variety than something like the daily fix so yeah. it's kind of like a catch-all fun gaming culture show yeah it does a cool job of giving you sort of the, the flavor and texture of not only events like d23 or vidcon mm-hmm. but also just like of the office we shoot in a lot of places yeah. or you guys shot in a lot of places in the yeah. office that we don't normally go brian yeah. and max's desk is featured prominently yeah it's pretty so, much so like a much reoccurring so they, character like, kind of got kicked out of the desk for a while yeah yeah, uh, but it's it's a lot of fun. So we shot a lot of stuff there. Um, Miranda did a Pokemon Go hunt there as well, actually. And uh, yeah, I mean, I love SGCC because I think San Diego is such a cool city, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, it's just the temperature rules. Like it's it's fun. It is crazy though. Like yeah. it's just so full on with all the entertainment news. Mm-hmm. So much yeah, fun. it's hectic. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Pokemon Go, Andrew. Mm-hmm. You went to the old Windy City. I did. What was that? I like? too was at a sunny event for celebrities, but they're celebrities. Or Pocket Monster. It, you. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me. Uh, We're talking no. about Pokemon Go for the record because yeah, we recognize that it is not a PlayStation title, but because Andrew was actually there, and it's fascinating. Well, and it's a mobile title, yeah. so even if you don't have a – you probably have a device See, out of play. We spoke about it when I it mean, came yeah, out. Yeah, we're going to have to get a ton to it. Just that it was uh, kind of a mess. It was uh, like nothing worked, and it was uh, – people were like freaking out. Um, but it so was like Pokemon Go. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. Like I, I wrote about that today, and there's a whole wrap up of this in the site. But yeah, like in the the shortest version of this is that like people got very mad that the game didn't work, and it became a little bit of a disaster. But that was sort of like like you joke, but that was like really emblematic of what the game was like when mm-hmm. it launched. Yeah. So it was like a very fitting one year anniversary thing. But I don't know. It's still like it's very. It had like a really special sense of community, I think, and like seeing people working together when the game was functional was really cool. Yeah. And it was actually probably one of like my favorite gaming events I've been to because it was like so many people that had to like literally work towards a common goal because they had the like, catch bonuses. And I saw a comment on the article that you wrote uh, of someone basically thanking you for bringing up the positive points because I think a lot of the media that covered it was very sensationalist in the interest of making it look negative because it's more interesting. I mean, it's right. It's totally more interesting if it's a disaster. Um, and, and, and in it a lot was of ways, disastrous. it was. Yeah, but like. When it was working, it was, it was genuinely cool. And, like, I think for every person I talked to who never got the game to work and left really disappointed, there were 10 other people who were like, oh, like, I made really good friends with this guy, and we actually are both from this. Like, there were these two dudes I talked to that had flown in from the same place but didn't know each other. Hmm. They were, like, both from the same town, wherever it was. We're and, both, like, and they were brothers. And then, yeah, yeah, they, they were sh- long They finally brothers. met. They, they looked exactly alike. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's how babies. That's not how brothers work. But, I mean, if uh... you're twin brothers, if you're, they call them uh, egg bros. Well, yeah. So anyway, little, uh, little what Pokemon did you catch? 
Uh, I caught an unknown and a Heracross, which are Heracrosses only in South America, but it was in Chicago just for the event. That's and then cool. unknown, it's like impossibly rare. I caught a couple of those. And then I got Articuno and That's awesome. Lugia. So who's left on your Pokédex that you don't have? From the original 150, at least. From the original 150, it's only... Well, the only one that's in the game that I don't have yet would be Kangaskhan. And that's it. And, and then, then, the, the, the then Corsola, you can only get in. Oh, yeah, Zapdos and Moltres aren't in the game yet. And but yeah, Mewtwo, I guess they're obviously. coming. And Mewtwo. Yeah, and that's right. I guess that's a good point. I that's what we that. were expecting from the Chicago event was Mewtwo. Yeah, it was because they said it was Articuno because that team did the best. But anyway, there's a lot about yeah. Pokemon Go. But, I mean, you can... I, I did a pretty full wrap-up on the site just kind of about, yeah, like the good and the yeah. bad. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, you just mentioned, I, th- I think the event as a whole is interesting just also in the grand scheme of, like, official events for oh, games. Um, yes, totally. like you have these things like packs that we've all been to that are catch-alls where it's not only games, but it's also, like, board games and it's cosplay meetups and so it's sort of everything and then you have something like psx which is a little bit more focused and obviously it's fans of playstation and then you dig even deeper and you have minecon and you have this and you have cod xp so i think it's BlizzCon. it's inter- blizzcon yeah which is a company quakecon uh yeah i think it's interesting sort of the varying degrees and sort of what it takes for a single game to be popular enough to actually I mean, warrant it's amazing like on that. yeah on pokemon goes behalf but i really think in the future, it makes sense. Like I think EA Play would be more successful if it weren't during E3 because yeah. it becomes such like a, a mess. And if it was somewhere else. Yeah. But I wonder cool. if more of them will start doing that because, you know, I'm pretty sure that they didn't show another Last of Us Part 2 trailer at E3 because they're going to show something of that at PSX. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where everyone felt like it was missing, but it's like, well, it makes a lot more sense for them to have it at their own event. Yeah, <laughs> for the most hardcore people. Yeah. 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 I look forward to um, maybe next year we'll get a No Man's Sky Con. I think a lot of people are still really into No Man's Sky Con? <laughs> Incredible. Oh, I forgot even the name of that Ubisoft game that's No Man's Skylanders. What's the actual name oh, of that geez, game? Oh, the one that's toys. Oh, my the God. The one that's toys. Isn't it like Skylink or something? You might be right. Uh, I think it's something colon Skylink. Just Whatever dance. it is, I like yeah, No Man's Skylanders a lot. I like No Man's Skylanders as well. Me too. Let's uh, rename it. I don't think we have the authority to do that. Starlink. Maybe it's Starlink. I think it's Starlink. What if we it's like Starlink it? colon something something. Starlink Battle colon. Battle Evolved. Rabbids. Attack. World Tour. The uh, kingdom battle wonderful there was a there was a segue somewhere before here when you guys were talking about psx uh because one of the big games uh that was revealed last year during psx was uncharted the lost legacy yeah. uh and then we got a little bit more obviously uh, at uh e3 uh but finally you guys both got a chance to go hands-on with an extended chunk of it mm-hmm. uh and that's one of the big you know that's the big sony game of the fall ish like that's a big august game mm-hmm. and and a lot of people are like is this just dlc or is this a proper uncharted game so tell us big old game yeah, it's a it's a big old game. I mean, the, the section we played was chapter four, so like we haven't seen everything before and after exactly that. Obviously, forty minutes of chapter four. But it's like it felt like a game within a game. Like it felt like an open world game that someone put inside of an Uncharted game. Uh, so it was like this super open ended area, even more so than Madagascar in Uncharted Four, because in that you're still being chased and you have some degree of a, a single objective that you're funneling into. It's just that you have a lot of freedom, you know, leading up to that stuff. But here, like you. You really did. Like, you can go anywhere, do anything in any order. Like, if you do two hours before you do one of the objectives, you theoretically could choose to do that. Like, yeah. it's a it's a much more open-ended experience, I think. So, the entire game takes place in India, and India obviously has a wide variety of ecosystems. So, like, what was the area like? Look like Madagascar. Yeah, I mean, kind of. It was a mountain range. So, it was like the... Um, was it the Western Ghats? I think it yes. is. Um, so it's like it's a, a mountain range and you're but yeah, it's a lot. It's very reminiscent of like, you know, ruins and there's some like jungleish areas. There's still like mudslides and stuff. Um, so it definitely felt I mean, that's the thing, right? To answer the question, does it feel like DLC or a full game? It feels like a full game. Chloe and Nadine are very different characters, 
the only way it feels like DLC is that it is very obviously still on the bones of Uncharted 4. It's like Blood Dragon to Far Cry. Yeah, it's totally. Like clearly, the only mechanic that I think they added was the lockpicking. Everything else is pretty much exactly the same. They kept a yep. lot of the same systems. Chloe doesn't feel super different. Yeah, she doesn't feel different at all. I mean, the things that are different is, like, you don't have a journal, you have a map. She's shorter. So it's like, Chloe, yeah, she's shorter for sure. That actually sure. has, like, a slight influence on things. Oh, really? Like, yeah. cover, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. It's just, like, camera angle. But, yeah, it's, like, uh, so she has a map. So instead of taking, like, etchings of things and, and recording notes and stuff, she has this kind of two-prong system. The first part is a map where you're, you're, you can't, like, place waypoints or anything, but it'll tell you the general direction you're headed, and she'll jot down points of interest as you find, like, oh, treasures yeah. and stuff. And then she also also has a cell phone where you take pictures of things and then you can kind of look back on the photos you've taken for clues or whatever. Yeah. And we didn't really get to mess with that too much, no, but it's really. there. So yeah. it's something I'm sure will come to like out. lead into what we played. It's like you are with Nadine, you drive into this area, there's a huge tower, you climb the tower, uh, and then up the top you open these doors and they all point to different things that you need to get to that are based on these kind of emblems that you're looking mm-hmm. for. And then you can get to them in any way that you want to in this this environment that is supposedly one of the biggest environments or the biggest environments that they've ever yeah. made. Yep. Um, so then you walk to them like however you want to or drive to them or whatever. Kind of a stealth mission to get into each of them. There's combat. You can avoid combat. I managed to do that entirely twice, which was really cool. Uh, or you can just you know mess everyone up. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be like another kind of tomb related puzzle and then there's three of them that you have to do that for and it's i think there's one of them that's like a water wheel or something yeah but it's changing the environment as you're doing it did they feel different than like the puzzles in four Not like did it feel like you were doing different i stuff? mean they feel like traditional uncharted puzzles yeah. for sure it's still like you come to a big mechanism you have to figure out how to operate yeah. it or you get through a combat section and then you climb and you have to you know be like turn three pieces of a wheel yeah. or whatever it is but i like the fact that you can do them in any order it felt um it, it, even the dialogue in those circumstances doesn't become jarring because I guess I don't know how they managed to make it unscripted, but it, it flows no matter what, even if you're doing in, yeah, them in yeah. a completely different order to someone else. So it's cool. Like that choice doesn't add a ton, but it, it's nice to feel like you have more time to explore an environment and you aren't being funneled through an area. It's also it's like, yeah. I mean, you mentioned going through stuff stealth, like the, the things that added are their silenced weapons, which are like a huge kind of game changer because like, so like Chloe, like you mentioned this, but Chloe has this lock picking skill where it's like there's uh, supply crates and you basically can just walk up and lock pick and the mechanic itself is super simple. You just turn the left stick. Don't and really it, like, find vibrates. the actual mechanic fun. I don't see. I feel like it's not supposed to be like for me, the lock picking was like a risk reward thing where yeah. they're generally in groups of enemies. So it's like you have to sneak up to the box and you know, lock pick it, which is pretty quick, but in doing that, like enemies can get alerted. Sure. So you can either like completely skip that and try and do things stealthily. Or though, if you're lucky and you get through it and you get the thing, you'll get a silenced weapon that makes it way easier to go through stealthily. So it's like sort of this, like very, it creates this tension because like I got away with like two seconds left because there's the, the triangle meters where it's like, you know, it starts filling up yellow and then yeah. red. And it was like just, it was like yellow, 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 yellow. And then I got the thing, got away yeah. just barely in time. So I think it like added a fun element to it. But I don't know. I, I like doing stuff stealthily because I'm bad at yeah, combat. I enjoyed yeah. that too. But I also don't even think that the reason that I liked this so much was anything to do with the gameplay. Um, mm. I really like the way the two of them bounce off of each other because Nadine, you know, obviously she's from Uncharted 4. She's just lost um, Shoreline. Mm-hmm. and so she's like this is one of her first jobs kind of independently not managing basically a, a big group of people yeah and she's been hired by chloe and it's chloe's first uh like solo mission as well and they're just very different people so chloe will do something kind of instinctively um a little bit uh, carelessly almost and then nadine gets really frustrated yes yeah. that's not 
how she should be approaching these things and the conflict between the two of them and the way they approach things differently is really, really interesting. And it's clear from all of the dialogue that they are colleagues rather than friends. And they said, I think in your interview, I feel like it was you that told me this, they had to dial back some of the dialogue to make sure they never got too friendly. Oh, I don't think that was for mine. That's Maybe it was mine then. Yeah. It was like it was along the lines of like they wanted to make sure they never sounded too buddy buddy or like too friendly. So they had to make adjustments to be like they they are like flirty in their own unique way. You know, they are like they they joke off of each other, but uh they definitely I, I well I think that one of the main conflicts in the story is going to be the two of them having a giant fight. And well, because they're like reluctantly partnering. Basically like, they're, they're in it for money. It's like they're exactly they're like kind of thrust together by circumstance because it's like a, a marriage of convenience, basically. It's yeah. like she like Chloe is on her first solo mission but like needs muscle and she's I really think, selfish, I think. I think yeah. that like her main instinct is self preservation. But and then I, I I'm I'm curious about like the stuff they've talked about in the past of like her like past playing into it. Like mm-hmm. it's like apparently like the artifact they're looking for her has to do with something like her father told her yeah, about the kid. Yeah, the like, tusk of Ganesh. Yeah. yeah. But the, the dialogue encounter where she brought that up, um, Nadine asked about it, and she was like, oh, that's a story for another time. So yeah. I wonder how much they're actually going to delve Chapter into Chapter five. That. Yeah. <laughs> but it does seem like it's about the two of them and their history and then, you know, them trying to figure out how to work together, but also about the bad guy, Assad. Yeah. Who, I think it's Assad. Yeah. I really like how understated he is. Like, yeah. he, we haven't seen that much of him, but, like, he seems to be a very, like, he's not, like, a cackling yeah, like sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah and which i think fits the tone of this really really yeah. nicely that he's like sort of a fellow researcher gone evil basically is what yeah. it feels like um i think I, it's really cool that it feels like so many of the relationships on uncharted have become familiar just based on the fact that like we sort of understand nate yeah. and sully and we sort of understand nate and elena and so it's interesting that we know who these two characters are separate mm-hmm. but they've never been in the same game together so yeah. they've never been in the same room together and, and so to a lot of point game built on that is cool yeah. nate and sully and nate and elena in different ways obviously love each other yeah. like those are people oh, and, yeah. and even sam to some extent like like they're estranged but like those are people who have each other's backs yeah. and that's not the case here like they they have each other's backs because they signed a business agreement basically yeah, yeah. like there's not this like familial bond between them mm-hmm. and it's really like it, it sounds simple but like i think they did such a good job of in that way making it feel so distinct oh, because it's like very different so they're not sitting on the couch and playing like jack and Dexter one together no, no. i mean oh, not in chapter who four does the dishes yeah yeah <laughs> No, but uh, I think that uh, Nadine, I believe, knows Assad as well. So there's another relationship playing there that we don't really know mm-hmm. anything about. So the reason that, like, it, it plays like Uncharted, I enjoy it. But the reason that I really want to play it is to find out more about these characters and the conflict that yeah. arises between them. And I think it's a smart time after Uncharted 4. Yes. Like, if this would have came out last fall, I might have been like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this again. But the fact that it's a year and a half almost, a little bit over a year, I think is a good amount of time yeah. it's a great amount of time I, I totally agree with that the only thing i was weird for is my dumb broken brain because i totally forgot the controls of uncharted 4 because it's sure. been that yeah. long so it's like that weird thing of like i kept going for like breath of the wild jump button yeah. and stuff or like, horizon like a, or yeah. exactly yeah. yeah it was like a weird disconnect um i did really like uh so like there's still like winch puzzles with the with the truck and everything no I one likes those those are real but bad they're like better them. now they really are like they're they're at least at least to me and granted it's been a while since i played uncharted 4 but they seemed to be telegraphed better and like i understood what to do a lot easier in uncharted 4 you would see like a tree branch that was kind of broken in the middle and it was very clear that like oh this is something you can winch mm-hmm. but here there's like a little icon like it, it just it felt a little clear so yeah. you only play as chloe in this right it's not one of those things where you're hopping back and forth at least in what you've seen so. or so choosing yeah. a character i mean it's naughty dog so who knows i mean i don't know if we ever play as young chloe or if we switch to nadine or something mm-hmm. else like they i think post uncharted 3 they like to surprise you by switching sure. perspectives yeah so. yeah 
But it does, it really does. Like, I'm excited that, like, I feel like we barely know anything yet. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like if everything we've seen is chapter four and earlier, that's incredible because, like, if this is a full length Uncharted game, that means we barely scratched the surface. Oh, yeah. Well, I asked how long the game would be, and they're like, you know, we can't really answer that question, but it is going to be a full length game. And they might have even, like, alluded to it being almost the same length as Uncharted 4, Hmm. which. I feel like in the past. I'm expecting it to be about eight hours. In the past, they've said it's a little bit longer than Uncharted 1, but shorter than Uncharted 4. I mean, and I feel like, again, a game, like, if you want to dick around in an open world for two hours, then I think that's your, why your it's length a hard may vary. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would prefer it to be slightly on the shorter side, just because I feel like Uncharted 4, like, I, I've said it before. Left Behind was a really good length. Yes, Left Behind was a perfect length. Yeah. I would love it to be Uncharted's version of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's also interesting that this is just the first, uh, the first, I guess, no, Golden Abyss was the first non-numbered Uncharted game. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if it's the length of that, you know. I'm, Might for fortune. Get out. Um, I also think it's coming out at the perfect time. I think August 22nd, I think before the deluge of, of fall games, uh, sort of a cap off the summer game, I think is really smart. Right in the middle of Gamescom. Yeah, but I'm not going to the video Gamescom, so I can play it from here. As all my friends are in Germany eating knockwurst. Ooh, blood sausage. Yeah. Oh, I like Gamescom a lot. Okay. <laughs> Glad we had this talk. Amazing conversation, guys. Uh, Thanks, Mark. Moving on to... Uh, to Pokemon Go. <laughs> but no, uh, yeah, I guess you can check out both. Uh, you have you both are going to have previews up this week. Yep. Both have impressions yep. up. Uh-huh. Cool. It'd be weird if they just completely contradicted each other. Yours starts with like, let me tell you why Andrew... Four reasons why Andrew's Uncharted <laughs> Lost Legacy preview was wrong. <laughs> Andrew Goldfob's Uncharted The Lost Legacy preview, a response. Yeah. Kind of a fun <laughs> social experiment. Like, I play and tell you what I thought, and you play and tell me what you thought, and then we write each other's previews. It's not. It's fun for no one but us. Just us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was that a date? Yeah, could okay. be. Cool. I, no. uh, I, I know you could say. I know. This is our flirty dynamic. We're, we're, we're that familial bond. They won't they? Like, the familial bond? What? Uh, moving on to a game that is out. Uh, Pyre released, uh, I guess this is going up today. So today on uh, PS4, Pyre, if you don't know, is the next game by uh, Supergiant Games. We're the developers of Bastion and Transistor. Uh, you guys haven't had a chance to play this. I've had a chance to play it. Yeah. Uh, I played. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had a chance to play it, and it is uh, very strange. But after two hours, like I am completely sold. Strange in a transistor kind of way. You no, compare it to basketball, right? Strange in the core mechanic of this game is like basketball. Okay, so everyone kind of knows what Bastion is—this top-down action RPG. That's Bastion's it's real time. Yeah, it's simple. It's almost like a hack and slashy, a yeah. top-down hack and slash game with a really interesting story mechanic and a really beautiful world and yeah. smart story. Uh, Transistor had a bit more of a pretentious. deeper, pretentious battle system where the battles almost came I across. I love the battles. In that I sort of die. It. I don't want to say MOBA-y, but you had, like, different powers. The, well, I don't remember the names of the abilities. You teamed them together, you know, as you went. And you would, you like, the, combine. Yeah. The, yeah. Count, not combine. I feel like it had a weird learning curve. But I really it had, definitely it. had a weird learning curve. But it felt like a MOBA where you had these specific moves and they each had cooldowns. And Greg Cassavon, who's a big fan of Dota, mentioned that, that he was inspired by that. Uh, this is very different. So this is set in a uh, sort of a fantasy world where you are uh, you, you play a nameless character that they call the reader because you are the only person in this party who knows how to read. Mm-hmm. And they have this ancient tome that you are reading for the party members. And this group of sort of uh, wandering exiles who've been exiled from the city for various reasons that you figure out 
throughout the game uh, are in this caravan and they're, they're exploring the wilds and they find you. And uh, they were like, hey, can you read this? Because there is this ancient rite. And if you complete the rite, you are able to get back into like earn your way back into society. Uh, and so you read this and you are sort of transported into the book. And so everything until you get transported into the book feels like uh, 80 days. If you ever played 80 days, it's a it's a mobile game that's around the world in 80 days. But it's pretty much a visual novel graphic adventure where you make choices, you decide, you talk to characters, you uh but based on dialogue decisions, your your relationship with characters will grow. You'll you'll level them up by giving them compliments or by sort this of. This is the, all in the graphic novel part. This is in sort of the visual novel part. Yeah, yeah. Um, you get a choice where there's a fork in the road, and one character is like, "I think we should go this way," and another one's like, "No, I have a friend in this town." And so you have to, to choose. Buy a beagle and name you, it Turtle. Yes, exactly. exactly. Oh, Turtle. Reference. Yeah, that was a Firewatch <laughs> reference. It's Bucket. Uh, turtle or Bucket? Yeah. No, no. You name the turtle. Uh, it's Bucket or. There's a pun one. What's the pun one? Bucket was a much better name for the turtle. And once you get the dog, you can have a German Shepherd, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Oh Anyways, higher. Um, what was the turtle? It was such a good pun name. It was Turt Reynolds. Turt Reynolds. There yeah. you go. Um, shout out to Turts. Um, <laughs> but then when you get into the actual battles, it is 3v3 and you – so you – it's – there is a versus mode, but just stick with the single player. So it's 3v3. You control your three characters, but you can only move one of them at a time. And so you can continually swap between who you're moving, but the other two are going to be stationary while one's moving. And there is an orb in the middle of the arena, and each team has a basket. And it is your job to get the orb into the other team's basket. But when you grab the orb, you're defenseless. If you don't have the orb and you're moving around, you can fire off energy or you have this sort of aura wave to where if you approach someone with an orb and they don't get rid of it, you'll stun them and knock them out of the battle for a couple seconds. And, and then they drop the orb. I think. And then they drop the yeah. orb. And so the whole thing is you are passing the orb. It's sort of like strategic keep away basketball while also using the abilities of your characters. So characters will have like charge attacks. They'll have uh, you'll be able to jump over an can enemy. Can you take the orb from the enemy team if they picked it up? Uh, yeah, you have because once the enemy team has picked it up, that character is defenseless. If you're holding the orb, right. you are you you cannot attack, and so it's pretty much think of capture the flag where you're holding the flag yeah. and you can't fire a gun. Yeah, it reminds me of this documentary called Space Jam about these aliens. Yes, here's your chance. Do your team. dance. Yeah, Space exactly. Jam. And they yeah. had like these powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Except yeah. you weren't defenseless when you have the ball. Like you, you, I mean, you kind of were. I mean, you're also defenseless in regular basketball because you can't like hit. Yeah, someone. exactly. What are you gonna do? Punch him with your third arm? Yeah. Where's your third arm? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> was that the dad? Was that like? Oh the, no! Was that Roger? Didn't one of the aliens have multiple arms? <laughs> oh no! You're thinking of Goro from Mortal Kombat, or you're referring to like Bill Murray's penis. <laughs> Oh, episode so what, what else happened? Oh. Podcast Beyond episode 503, <laughs> Bill Murray's penis. Um, and so it plays differently than any game I've ever played other than maybe NBA Jam Tournament Edition. That is very strange. Is it good? Yes, it's very good. The story is really interesting. It's really well written. Um, I find the... How does this weird combat work into that story? Uh, so far, it's a bit... I mean, it is that these things are the rights. And so the teams... So when you fall into the book, you are facing other travelers... Who are all who also want to compete in the rights to nice. to sort of go back to be brought back into society? Bro. And some of them, the first couple are just like jerks. I'm like, well, I just want to kill what that if guy. One of them's like a doctor. You meet a family, Ooh. and there's like a father and his like surrogate son, and they're like really nice. Like the son shares like this amulet with you and everything, and like by beating them, like you guys get closer to being accepted back into society. Option? Can you, I mean, you choose to not? I, buy I think them. if you lose, you just lose the game. I think. Um, it's really interesting though. I, I, again, I'm only a couple hours into it. I don't know if our review's up yet, but we, our freelancer who reviewed it, gave it a very high score. It's getting really good scores all across the internet. Um, if you like Bastion or Transistor, you're going to dig the storytelling. 
I want everyone to try out this combat because it's so hard to explain. Yeah. Um, you would totally get it. Play an hour of the game and you will totally sort of understand what I'm talking about. I feel and like I can picture it. I can't picture how it's fun right now. Mm-hmm. But it's it gets fun the deeper it gets. You start leveling up characters. You get a party bigger than three, and you have to choose which character. But it's to bring single player. There's no multiplayer. There right? is versus. Oh, okay. But like the core of the game is the campaign. And there's surprisingly little about Pyre. I'm realizing. Yeah. Like I don't know how I just like I, I saw I know it was a PAX a couple times. But I just never was assigned. To sure. Play Even it, at so. PAX, all the marketing materials is like that's a pretty strange looking totally. thing. Yeah. 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 Well, and I feel like Supergiant that part almost goes without saying, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like um when we're talking about like Housemark, like yeah. you know, like I feel like the. Whether or not it looks good is almost something I don't even feel like I need to ask. And it's you know it's like, like good storytelling. Exactly, well. yeah. It's like totally like there are things I just sort of take for granted from them. And then I'm just like, okay, well, what's the mechanic? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you really think Transistor was pretentious or were you just being a jerk? Yeah, I think Transistor is a little bit pretentious. Oh I, think, I, I think it has. The, I like it a lot too. I think that's, it has that's not even me saying I don't like it. I think it's yeah. just like, it's like, look how but smart I'm really pretentious, I am. So I think it has <laughs> the best use of the DualShock 4 in a non-controller aspect. I think between the light and the, the speaker. The speaker. Yeah. yeah. When the transistor, when the sword stuff I like corrupted. about it. Like, yeah. I really like the story. I mean, I, I think the game's a little bit pretentious. Yeah, um, I think you're Have you considered that you're a hipster? An absolutely hipster, yes. I haven't considered it. It's just, that's it. Yeah, we got those fancy new glasses. How about that? That's true. Good point. Moving on yeah. to a game slightly less pretentious. Uh, one of the games Pokemon that was <laughs> one of the games that uh, did have a pretty big showing at uh, San Diego Comic Con was Call of Duty World War II, and specifically they had a panel where they really just sort of blew the doors off of the uh, zombies mode, which is just called Nazi Zombies. Basically, Dead Spache. So that's the thing I'm excited about is that this. I don't think we're ever going to get Dead Space Four. Uh, like you know, the 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 core talent at Visceral who made Dead Space one through three is gone, and they're now at Sledgehammer. Um, and I just don't think that's an IP that EA is going to revisit, especially I, now with the Star Wars. If I understand your logic, but I want to disagree because Dead Space is so good. No, I totally, I totally cannot imagine like the way EA functions now. You know, I mean, maybe it's just like I honestly, I feel like if they did it, they would do it. We're way off. Sorry. We'll get a Star Wars horror game. I mean, either Star Wars horror game, or they could do literal Dead Space, but maybe even do it under the like EA Originals label and like, like give Star it to Wars someone interesting. Colin Dead Space. That would be way better. They yeah. Someone else. Like give it to like an indie dev under the EA Originals label, making a new. I Dead want Space there to just be a survival horror game that takes place in Jabba's palace at night. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome. No. Well, I mean, Star that's Wars sort of what space. like thirteen thirteen. The the so in Star Wars thirteen thirteen, it was on on Coruscant, and you were on layer thirteen thirteen mm-hmm. of the planet. Layer thirteen fourteen was completely pitch black. There was no light of any kind, and like at one point, the surface of uh, the planet was going to break, and you would go down to level fourteen fourteen, and there would just be tiny beams of light coming through, mm. just where it broke, basically, and it would have been like a really cool horror vibe. All right, Sorry, that, we're way that off track, sounds but, all right, awesome. Yeah, that game would have been so good. Uh, but yes, games that are actually coming out. Uh, Call of Duty Nazi Zombies, which uh, I don't know if you guys had a chance to see the trailer. It is super cool. It's cool. Yeah. It is not tongue in Like the last couple of zombie modes, some of them have been tongue in cheek. And they're like, we have Jason Mewes and we have like Jeff Goldblum as our as our voice cast. Like this is very much messed up, like almost like old, like Wolfenstein when Wolfenstein was sort of horror. Totally. It has that Wolfenstein vibe because it's like literally um, Nazis. It's, it's, Nazi experiments. Yeah. And yeah. It's, they're talking about like this is how we're going to win and this yeah. is like the Fourth Reich or whatever. And creating the Ubermensch, which is this like messed up, like fleshy amalgam of, yeah. of machine and metal and metal. I mean, and honestly, blood. the obviously. Do you have any yeah, there are all confluence. I think yeah. uh, Dead Space is the main vibe, but I also Kampfunds? got kind of that Bioshock thing. And like, yeah. I think, yeah. like, honestly, like. It's funny because, like, Call of Duty World War II, like, totally seems interesting. And, like, I'll, I'll play every Call of Duty campaign. I'm sure I'll play it. Mm-hmm. But, like, weirdly, 
I'm excited for this to fill that gap of yeah. like there hasn't been a Bioshock game in a few years. Mm-hmm. There there isn't a Dead Space in the horizon anytime soon. Wunderbar. Yeah. Wunderbar. Right, and it has a is that it? Yeah, it's just uh, confluent. Uh, I learned uh, means receipt. Oh, I Shunshin is squirrel. Oh, you're right ahead of me. Wonderful. Uh, this game has a cast. Yes, it does. Uh, it does have a cool Impressive cast. Uh, David Tennant from Doctor Who. Uh, it has Catherine Winnick, who's in The Dark Tower. Udo Kier, who's in uh, Melancholia. Uh, and Vig Rames. You skipped L.D. Young. Well, do you, are you a big L.D. Young fan? Yeah, I like Electra a lot. There's two oh, good yeah, actors. Like, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, when it said Daredevil, I was just thinking Daredevil like... Bad one. The, the uh, bad yeah, yeah. one. I know that's <laughs> the word. That's the first one that comes to my head too. I think the cast is really smart. They've done well, such a good job of finding names, but not names. You know, like like David Tennant, super famous. Plenty of people know who he is, but it's also not like distracting casting. Sure, like, it's in not like Kevin Spacey. Or something, yeah. Well, I think Kevin Spacey was yeah. like distractingly big for that role. Yeah, yeah. Um. Whereas this is like really smart. Mm-hmm. They've they've done such funny stuff with Call of Duty Zombies casting. They had like Pam Greer and Kevin Smith. Yeah. I mean, There's, I think the the zombies parts of those games are the parts that I like the most, so I'm totally yeah. down for it. And they said that it is like the core leads from Dead Space who are on this. So Very like cool. the fact that for the first time at Sledgehammer they get to make just a straight up horror thing, I think it's super exciting. Yeah, it's funny because for years, um before uh Advanced Warfare, people talked about the the rumor was that Sledgehammer was making a essentially called duty dead space game yeah. and like i don't know whatever happened to that or if that was even real but it's interesting if that like kind of was born of yeah this. there's a lot of those call of duty games that never were yeah like there's the roman wars one mm-hmm. there was That's a right. vietnam one that i think sledgehammer was actually like working on when <laughs> yeah there's definitely a story to tell about what sledgehammer has been doing since they came on because they did kind of support a modern warfare 3 and where then, was that last yeah. minute with the whole vince van zan paul thing They're like hey yeah. uh, no one's making this game please make this game exactly yeah so i'm, I'm super curious to see like what what was on the drawing board ahead of Advanced Warfare and now? Call of Duty, colon, Dead Space. You really just feel like the colon, Dead Space. Is this like, are you making a colon joke with any of this? No. Oh, because the colon is the, the body's dead space. Oh. Where the, the, wow, it really is. Yeah, oh, the oh, we're talking about turds again? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah we're talking about turds. You know it. Oh, that beagle. The beagle. Bucket. Uh, also, speaking of turds. Yeah, Bucket was the dog. Bucket was the dog, turtle. yeah, yeah. So what was the other turtle name? Turt Reynolds and... Or is there only the, oh, the no, one? It name. was Old Turt McGirt. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think the I Old Turtle confused. Bastard. There's multiple names for the dog and only one turtle. I feel like there was two dogs. No, I, the, there, there are was, definitely was, two dogs. I'm trying to remember if there are two turtles. I believe the dog's name was Bucket, and there was two different. You could choose breeds. different names. There was a German yeah. Shepherd and a Beagle, I think, and then I think you had two two naming options. Was one of them like a tough name, and one of them was like a cute name? Welcome Maybe that's to Podcast Firewatch. Mitch, you guys did. You and Mitch, RFP <laughs> Mitch, did a really good. Um, Firewatch podcast with the team. Yeah, with Venom. Yeah, yeah, with all of them. So you should check that out. Also, I texted you earlier asking if you could be on the show. And as a joke, I said, the things we're actually talking about. And then I said, we're also talking about dogs, butts, and dog butts. Yeah. And I feel like we've covered three. three. Yeah. yeah, we've covered colons. We've covered, you know. Uh, dogs sniff each other's butts. Humans don't do that. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> true. Speaking of the human colon, uh, a very cool game named Superhot mm. is uh, now coming to Super- uh, PlayStation oh. VR and PS4. Uh, Alana. You reviewed Superhot, so for people who don't know what Superhot is, uh, tell them uh, what this game is, why it's cool, and then I will tell them why it's uh, a little worrisome on PSVR. Superhot is a puzzle game disguised as a shooter. It is effectively, um, it's most environments are just white and enemies are red and they're kind of a crystalline and nothing really has much detail, but there will be uh, weapons laid out in these environments that you have to try and get through and everything is one hit kill, so if someone shoots you you're just dead and there will be one of you and four of them and sometimes um one of my favorite levels is you are standing in an elevator there are three of them surrounding you and it's a very tight space so you have to figure out how to kill them all and 
The catch is that enemies only move or time only moves when you do. So you can stand completely still and they will they do move like a really small amount mm-hmm. barely and survey an environment and then kind of figure out how to go from there. Like I think the way that I uh, solved the elevator one was by like punching the guy to the left of me to punch right punching the guy to the left of me <laughs> you're so bad with left <laughs> really and right. bad left and right to knock the gun out of his hand doing that to the other guy like picking up this guy's gun shooting the guy in front of me and it's like you really have to pay attention to the way that the enemies are moving and at what rate someone is going to come at you before everyone mm-hmm. else and every single environment is so 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 different um i loved it on pc i actually think that i scored this game too low i it just I think my, my main criticisms were I found the story incredibly cheesy and then it doesn't introduce anything new. So it doesn't feel like there's a lot of progression throughout the game. It's basically this one mechanic that just functions the yeah, whole time. But it's but such a cool mechanic. It's a really cool mechanic. I really do think that I scored it too low. But um, it's even better on VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played it on Oculus and it's a really solid workout. But also because you are physically doing the movement to like snatch weapons off of mm-hmm. people, it's so, so, so much fun and really intense, really fast, really quick respawns. Uh, it's just... And almost like on Oculus, if you get that Matrix feeling of one like Neo sort of like dodging the totally. bullet because the whole thing is you are literally like turning your shoulder to dodge yeah. a bullet yeah, yeah, as yeah. it's slowly going down. And, and it works so well. We had it set up at what's now Cassidy's desk, I guess, but like for a while it was set up over there and that was like the only time I've tried it in VR, but it's so much better. You never want to stop playing. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's just so much fun. Yeah. But is it not that good? So yes, the worry is. with PSVR is the fact that, you know, it's not a, you know, PSVR's uh, motion tracking and capabilities is just inferior to uh, Oculus and Vive. Uh, and so a lot of times it's easy to sort of accidentally move out of the detection box. And when it moves out of the detection box, it just thinks you're moving, which means time moves in the game, which means you die. Oh, and so wow. like legit, like moving out of the PS4's detection box just results in failure. It doesn't result in like, let me recalibrate. It's just failure. So if you... You know, if you, the levels are bite-sized. Like, none of the levels are extremely long. But if you're in a particularly tough level and you get very close to the you end or about to complete really, really it, you can die very easily. It's yeah. like, it would be like if, I don't know, if you're playing, like, Hotline Miami or something and then your controller desyncs for a second well, uh, right uh, near the a end. a stupid death in Superhot is very annoying because it's so much trial and error to actually figure out how to mm-hmm. finish a level that I think, like, getting almost to the end of it, even if it's a 10-second level and then dying. Because oh. it, the cool thing it does do is that it replays every level to you in real time as though time hadn't slowed down. You're like, oh, that was two seconds. Yeah, yeah. It feels like I mean, the elevator thing. You're killing three dudes in an elevator. Yeah. That's instantly. It yeah. feels like it's so slow mm-hmm. when you're playing yeah. it out. But, yeah, that I mean, that's a really good point and a valid concern. Yeah, but it's, uh, you know, the, the VR is still really cool. It just sort of comes with that... Uh, that little tag. But I'm even, glad it's coming to PS4 because oh, no, I remember totally. the debut, I think, was on Microsoft's stage at E3 because that was the, the trailer that we got that didn't say anything about what the super game was, hot. just had the super hot. Yeah. And it was like, even after that, I was like, holy crap, I want this game. Like, yeah. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, I'm glad it's coming to yeah. PS4. It's also another Polish game. And Poland yeah. just is weirdly now home to so many cool developers, like between getting stuff like The Witcher and Vanishing the Witcher and Carter and Dying Light. One of their biggest exports. Yeah. Like I everything to do with that the they gave a copy to Obama. Yeah. yeah. Of yeah. The Witcher 2. Yeah, yeah. Do you think he played it? Oh yeah, he yeah, loves so. it. No, he's an Elder Scrolls man. Yeah, that's, he actually that's plays ESO a bunch now that he's retired. Or no, he actually plays Elder Scrolls Legends though, like the new Skyrim pack. Oh, okay. I like the idea yeah. that like you know he was like uh, now that I am out of office, I have decided to pick up on video games. Uh, the first one is going to be Morrowind, <laughs> and then I'm going to start my own Shivering Isle Minecraft server. <laughs> it's going to be PvP only. <laughs> Please let me know if you would like to join. <laughs> Don't steal from each other's chests. I bought a video game for my daughters called Knack. 
<laughs> I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of games that President Obama is very excited about, uh, we talked a ton about Ex- the games president we got Obama. to play. No, everyone's still a president. You still call them president even after. You really? Yeah. Yep. Um, huh. Yeah, welcome to America. Yo. That's how I call Marty, President Marty. He uh, served a little-known <laughs> three-day term as, as president between uh, the two George Bush. Let Marty be Marty. <laughs> yeah. West Wing. Uh, we we mentioned a ton of the games that uh, all of us played at E3. Uh, two of the games I feel like we sort of didn't talk about a bunch just because we didn't get a chance to play were Wolfenstein and Shadow of War. Yeah. And those are two games you did get to play. Those are the two that I played the most of. Yeah. Actually. So those are obviously yes. two of the big games of the fall. So you want to talk about those a little bit? Uh, Wolfenstein is officially the game I am most excited about this year, just Ooh. in general. Because um, unfortunately it was E3. It feels like it was forever ago at this point. But uh, I think you spoke to Lucy about it after she played it, right? So mm-hmm. it's it's... A lot like the New Order, which I loved. Um, same characters, same appearance. And you start off in a ship, and Blazkowicz is in a wheelchair, effectively naked. And you just wake nice. up, and you're holding a gun, wheeling around What does effectively chair. naked mean? He's just in a bathrobe, but it's a little bit revealing. Ooh. So it's like, you know, for in terms of like effect, he's naked. You get to see any grundle? I didn't see any grundle. Okay. But I also didn't look in any mirrors. He's like a little bit short. You, if you look down, what do you see? You know how certain like shooters are like, can you, you see your feet? You, know, you, yeah. see, you can see his lap and the wheelchair, but you can't see. Does he say anything about his colon like while he's in the wheelchair? Um, like what's the status of his colon in that sense? Oh, no. He's, he's, he's very much in need of medical help in a bunch of ways. I see. I see. So he's like... It's it's actually super fascinating that you <laughs> take something that you were making as a dumb joke and be like, it's actually pretty interesting the way they have this American war hero painted in a situation of vulnerability. Um, really is is quite a strong yeah. point. Yeah, it really subverts the tropes <laughs> of standard masculine machismo and first-person yeah. shooters. Yeah. yeah. So you're going around the ship trying to kill the Nazis who just invaded because they are looking for you, and I don't remember the woman's name from the first game. Maybe I shouldn't even talk Elsa? about Elsa? Yeah, it's Elsa and Anna who are <laughs> chasing after you. No, a completely different woman. Different woman from the first game, not the, the love interest. interest. Gotcha. Uh, and someone else on the ship has basically set up all of these microwaves in terms of they are not like a literal microwave. <laughs> it's basically it's your old Taco Bell from <laughs> two big things on walls and you press a button and it turns on. And if any enemies run through it, they just explode. Yeah. So you have to kind of work with that mechanic because you are super underpowered at that point. You're very, very vulnerable. They kill you so quickly if they see you. So you have to sort of turn things on and off, try to lure them through them. You can still shoot at them, but it's tough. And also get around the ship whilst in a wheelchair, which I think is one of the things retrospectively that I like the most about New Order is the kind of environmental puzzles, mm-hmm. which is, you know, one of them says just this giant wheel that's got like little yellow indicator on it and you just have to like roll onto one of them and then sort of move over mm-hmm. and get off while you can it took me a really long time to figure that out it was like oh yeah it's wolfenstein i missed yeah. this because most shooters don't do this it yeah, gives yeah. you all this downtime in between combat where you are exploring the environment and figuring out how to use things to your advantage and so then it gets to the very end enemy shows up you are on the ground being made fun of for being an american wall hero who is disabled and can't do very much and at the same time the bad guy's daughter is there who is this obese woman who is trying to effectively trying to not let main bad guy like beat the crap out of you and humiliate you too much and it's just this super weird dynamic of this like overweight girl being just aggressively fat shamed being almost bullied into killing you and just like everyone just being distraught and it's like it's such a for an e3 demo i was like yeah man there's a lot of stuff to unpack here yeah yeah but it was it was really like a fun to play and b just like presented themes that i don't think i've 
seen in a ton of games mm-hmm. before. And it's like, I don't feel like it was like any strong political commentary or had like a strong political stance. It was just like, this is, this world is messed up. Deal with it. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. it was a lot to absorb. I really Very similar it. to the demo of everybody's golf that I played at E3. Yeah, so, yeah. it sounds really similar to that. Uh, no, that sounds <laughs> awesome. I mean, I am getting to this weird point where every fall i feel like bethesda has the most interesting or at least one of the most interesting games i think that they are my favorite publisher right now it's hard Mm -hmm. to say but like you know i was definitely like pre-microsoft rare my favorite dev for such a long time and then like now it's more in publishers than devs but then it came to like ubisoft and then it was like ubisoft's getting too similar i think now it's bethesda and last year having dishonored 2 this year having wolfenstein like both my most anticipated games of both of these years and they both just even from the demos are so good it's like they're making really good stuff yeah it's almost i mean it's funny because we played uh lost legacy and i feel like naughty dog has been really good in the last few years of like the things that worked well in Last of Us informed Uncharted 4 and have now informed this. Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing some stuff from Uncharted 4 will inform Last of Us 2. I mean, they have to yeah. be one of my favorite developers. It's like publishers and developers, it's like hard to... Yeah, yeah sure, totally. sure. But for publisher but, Bethesda, for sure. But I feel like Bethesda's really good at the same thing, that like it does feel like Dishonored, or I mean Prey, rather, borrowed some things from Dishonored, and like granted it's Arcane's sister studios, mm-hmm. but still, like I, I feel like Bethesda does a really good job with sort of that vibe that they have and about that like like smart use of technology and like wolfenstein is so good at that i mean the trailer was so good too and then i played it it was like i like this so much and it's different and bethesda does such a good job of obviously bethesda studios or softworks or whichever one's the developer is obviously super talented like todd howard's team is incredible bgs but they also partner with people like machine gun games Mm -hmm. shout out to poland uh Mm -hmm. they also partner with like tango and with arcane so it is these like in this incredible diverse portfolio of developers who so many of them just make really strong narrative driven single player games with really interesting and fresh mechanics they don't even bother going for multiplayer which is yeah. like same thing with Doom. that i love yeah. right yeah. now and yeah. i don't know if that's gonna get phased out eventually but well yeah. i mean they have quake in lieu of that and sure. they have eso as well so mm-hmm. it's like but yeah like this is i think definitely going to be just a very strong single player experience that yeah. i'm hoping where this leads off of is you not having any weapons and having to get out mm-hmm. of this enemy ship, basically. And this is one of the games that comes out on that faithful day. That's yes. Well, it, that's slightly less busy now. because yeah. So it's uh, this, Assassin's Creed, Mario, Stranger Things Season 2, and then it was going to be the third Cloverfield movie, but that got delayed until next year. Yeah. yeah. Jigsaw is coming out that day, day, though. Jigsaw, the final chapter in the Saw series. Is it, are you really? Yes. Wow, I've seen all of this. Why? You've seen all of I've them? I've seen every single one. Yeah. And, What's wrong with you? Uh, well, it was kind of a joke in college <laughs> yeah. that we would like watch through all of them and like try to piece the story together <laughs> to make sense of it. So I've seen all of those movies. I feel like You've I know a lot about work the into that movie than What's the one where they throw the guy into the vat of needles? All of Second them. one. Oh, I think I've only seen Saw 1 and 2. Also, it's it's a girl they throw into the, the yeah, needle pit. Right. Yeah. Wait, America was a Because they're like, you're what, a junkie. Get what's in Saw 3? Was that the 3D one? Saw 3D? Yeah, that, was I mean, one that, that sounds 3D. right. <laughs> I don't know. Saw, like Saw 5, colon, Saw 3D. <laughs> Saw 5, colon? Yeah. All took place in a man's colon? There's one weeks. of them where they're trying to figure out who this bad guy is by, like, un, like undistorting his voice from a recording that he left. And then, <laughs> so dumb. They do it. They, like, manage to get his voice real. And then they realize it's the guy who's in the same room as them standing behind him. So it's like they're like... Just like dramatic stare at this guy when they all realize, but that's his voice. And then everyone's just like, what? And, and then, then he just kills like, them all. And it's like, like, come on, man. Yeah. It's very they dumb. Keep, they brought back like Carrie Elwes, and I think he's yeah. like a bad guy now. 
Yeah. No, he was. Which one was that? He was the first one. He was. No, 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 no I know, but which was the one where they brought him back? Uh, uh, Saw Four? Foursome. I feel like it might have been Four. Yeah. So, so I, thought, I saw so that one. Saw 3D, Saw Foursome, Saw Five Guys. Yeah. <laughs> saw Six Flags, Great America. <laughs> <laughs> saw Seven, the David Fincher I film. See that joke about the Fast and the Eighth Fast and Furious should be. Um, it's like Fast in Your Seatbelt was the it was the joke, but it looks a lot better when it's. It was a very yeah, good like fast ten. Yeah, like okay. oh, that was ten. Yeah. Right, it was ten. Yeah. It was fast, fast ten years. Yeah, that's coming up on it. That. Yeah, I'm sure the Rock will do that. It's the most recent one, right? Yeah. Fate, but anyway, yeah, yeah Wolfenstein's great. Mm-hmm. You played that other game about the the, the mean played, goblins like, who scream at almost, you. Almost, I think I played almost two hours of Shadow of War. Uh, so you I beat just, it? Uh, no. Okay. I'm sure it's quite long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it is. I wish that it weren't so long since I'd played the other one because I can't like truly speak to how updated it is. They added a double jump. Ooh. You get to do like cool flippy things in the air. Cool flippy things. Yeah. Wow, Troy Baker, you know, finally going up in the world. Yeah, yeah orcs don't like that. No, yeah, they don't, really they don't like double jumps. Yeah. But it's really cool. It's a lot of fun, um, especially with like all the wraith abilities. You like jump into the air, like shoot an arrow, and then just keep jumping. Mm-hmm. And we have like a lot in in IGN first that we did. There's so like I went back and watched some of that somewhat recently, and I was like, oh wow, there's so much stuff here that yeah. I didn't know about that game. Yeah, and a it, ton of footage from E3. Feels yeah. more um, organic than the first one, which I think is something that was missing. That felt like. A vaguely empty world that was populated by orcs is how they made it feel mm-hmm. alive. Whereas this has like this area that has different things in it that feel totally different, which I feel is accurate when it comes to Lord of the Rings. So yep. one thing is like I went into this forest um, and had to fight like these four different enemies that were like totally different. And then sort of the queen of the forest comes out and has a conversation with you and it's like just super lord of the ringsy because it's mm-hmm. this weird giant character who's talking to you about in, in like a very strange accent about stuff that matters to her in that universe that nobody else would ever care about sure it's so sort of like, like how the ants when you talk to the ants in, in the two towers it's like oh He's you guys like, what look- are you puny human yeah. like, you smell bad yeah. I, like, love, I really liked that that's like weirdly one of my favorite vibe in games that's what i loved about the god of war games actually it's like yeah. when, that moment when you do meet like gaia or whoever it is and, and they're just like, like oh your me? problem yeah why? exactly yeah. like that which yeah, i that's really liked um and the nemesis system has been updated uh it's also there, there is a positive version of the nemesis system where people you can recruit people and your own recruits have their Confidence. own nemesis system. Confidence! <laughs> On! <laughs> Hashtag persona. Don't but, worry, there's a persona question yeah. coming up. Oh, excellent. But uh, it's like basically the people that you've recruited will fight for you when you go to take down forts, which are you know just giant areas that have one of the nemesis who've been elevated enough by whatever you've done in the world to kind of control this fort mm-hmm. and when you go in there you get to like choose the people you're going to send in you can send in like different kind of mounts that will counter the abilities of whatever mounts they have and you can like have ones that was like i think a poison ability and just like different kind of buffs basically that you can equip your team with to attack the fort if you capture three points you can send some of your leading orcs to go and do that and then you sort of just like confirm the capture go into the actual fort and there's a boss fight that was really really hard mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was mostly hard because there was a huge skill tree like a giant skill tree it's always weird one Multi- that i didn't uh open world previews are always weird because it sort of tosses you at a section Several of the game, game and you're just like oh well i haven't learned everything yeah. this is my character yeah, yeah but exactly it was still super fun mm-hmm. um and you know you, you just there's so much the, the way that i think that they've updated the climbing in the game meant that I felt like I was very fast and agile and could get away when I needed to to come back. And I think that all of those forts are going to play very differently and you're going to have to have different tactics going into them. That's what I'm hoping. 
and that appeals to me. I feel like I could spend an entire afternoon taking down the forts yeah. and have fun, and that could be a whole game, and I'd be like, this is great. And it, yeah. it seems like it, it's sort of uh, ramping up the scale in the same way the movies did, whereas like Fellowship, like the biggest battles were like a bunch of people in a forest or a fight against a cave troll, whereas this is like zooming out, and you do have these massive like castles, and it almost yeah. feels like Helm's Deep, Minas Tirith stuff. Totally. Yeah. It feels more tactical as well. You know more about Lord of the Rings than I thought. Like I didn't think yeah. I was going to get there when I was okay. going. Yeah, yeah. 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 You were proud of me? Yeah. Well, I mean, to the extent that I could be proud of you, yeah. That means. I'm very proud of you. I'm just yeah. joking. Uh, cool. Shadow of yeah. War is another game. I think game. it's going to be really, really cool. Yeah. yeah. A good year for climbing. Also. Well, That's, sorry, yeah. I have nothing more to contribute than that. Well, it's not necessarily, though, because, because Zelda was the already, best yeah. and it came out first. This does have good climbing. Yeah. We'll give it that. I mean, so does Uncharted. Like, that once... Once I remembered how to do it, the Uncharted climbing feels great. Yeah. And like, like even I had trouble even playing The Lost Legacy and being like, what do you mean I can't climb this rock? That's true. Come on. This, that, that part of it's hard. That sense of like, oh, there's like things that there are like invisible barriers. Yeah, yeah, little naked boy Link can climb up this rock. Surely Nadine can. Yeah. Yeah. The naked boy Link of the Uncharted universe. <laughs> uh, all right. We're wrapping up the show with a segment we call Rapid Fire. Uh, the way this works is we go into our Facebook group, which is uh, facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. Uh, join that every week. Uh, we're in there chatting with you guys, uh, and you can leave a comment that we read on the show. Andrew printed off a very small sheet, so I had to pick it up and put no, it in I my think, eyes. I, th- uh, really Nicholas Brillhart asked, uh, what was the best trailer from Comic-Con? Stranger Things. <laughs> I was going to say these. By far. I think Stranger Things was very good. I think Thor was also up there. Thor was very good too. Thor was also good. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Westworld was not good. I, mean, I thought well, I, needed, I was like, you didn't so, tell me anything. I needed a previously on for the trailer because yeah. I was like, wait, what's the deal with that Harris again? Like, who, yeah. which one of these people died? I was yeah. like, is Jeffrey right? Like, it, it, he's a robot, right? Like, yeah. it's just like, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. like, it, I, I needed a reminder. Once I like refreshed myself and who they were, I watched it again. I was like, oh, it's actually cool because there yeah. are little tidbits, but like, Going into that blind, I totally was. I was like watching it from my phone and missing details. Yeah, yeah. Stranger yeah. Things was awesome. Yeah, like the Dragon Slayer thriller. thriller like yeah. it, it was an homage to an era that worked really well for me in the way that uh, Ready Player One didn't. Oh yeah, I, I, I did not like that trailer. That trailer. No, yeah, a lot of no, people no. did, but I really didn't like the Justice League trailer either. I mean, not the I thought it was better than the first one. Justice League. You t- are you talking about the four minute trailer? Yeah, that was yeah. a very long trailer. It- I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was bizarre that they chose to release a four-minute trailer. And I'm wondering yeah. if that was to be like, okay, we know that we've screwed up and people have been mad about DC movies. Here's a bunch of things about this one that's pretty good. Please like us. But they're doing – they like the thing people were mad about – or not the thing, but one thing people were mad about with BVS was that they showed the too much in the character. trailer. No, you're right. And yeah. so now they did it again. And it's like why – like I don't – also like it's still so weird that they're relying on like weird like classic rock rather than any kind of orchestrated score. Like they're just doing – it just feels like it's Batman versus Superman again. Yeah, totally. But at least that's original. Like, this was like, um, I forgot the name of the song, but they were playing. Was it a Come Together? Yeah, it was. Yeah, oh, it right. was Come Together. Yeah, but I it was like that weird cover of Come Together. Yeah, I think I'm going yeah, yeah. to like the, the character of The Flash. Yeah, it's the I mean, same he guy seems, from, he's uh, Comic Relief. He's in Harry Potter. He's in, um, no, he's not. Uh, oh, he's in. Oh, yeah, he was in. Uh, sorry, the newest. Fantastic. 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 Yeah. 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 yeah, he's in like Perks Wallflower. He's yeah. in a bunch of random things. Yeah. I he seems don't mind him. I don't know. His Flash, I need. What bothers me about it right now is that it's like somber, somber, somber. Flash says something funny. Somber, somber, somber. Like it just feels like they like someone read Apple a script Man. and was like, hey, every eight lines insert comic relief. Like that's what it feels yeah. like right now. Obviously in a trailer, you can't get a sure. taste yeah. of it. But yeah. um, I also I liked a lot of the TV trailers. Um, I thought it was weird. There were a bunch of trailers that did this thing for like, like Gotham and Arrow and a bunch of shows did this where like they showed in a four minute trailer, three minutes of it was a full recap of season Three. Use that in Westworld. Season four. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Westworld is one trailer I wanted them. Yeah. Uh, 
Thor was also good, like I said. Yeah, yeah, Thor was great. I, the ending shot. Hey, did, so did you guys hear where I mentioned Thor? <laughs> like you mentioned that like three times. Yeah, I just, we didn't get to talk about it. No, Thor, the yeah. whole trailer was super cool. Yeah, yeah it was beautiful. I agree a lot. Yeah, and Taika Waititi hugged uh, uh, Terry during an interview. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, I want Taika Waititi to hug me. Me too. Uh, me too. I also just want that Infinity War footage to come out because everything Jonathan said about it sounds, sounds incredible, so and I watched several terrible camera shots of it. Yeah, which I don't know why I did that, but it looks very cool. That was, that clarified, that was actually just a Rickroll. Jonathan did yeah. not take the. Camera. Oh, yeah, remember when you got, we all got Rickrolled? Yeah. I hate yeah. you, Andrew. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, moving on, uh, Richard White asked, uh, "How about a live-action Netflix series based on the world of Persona? Good idea or bad idea? Always a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't want that honestly yep. like i like the anime but like even that like i i oh god i, I should watch that persona 5 anime it, it's just one episode yeah i have it um mm-hmm. if you want it yeah it's like basically i like the sense of choice in that game it's like it's like i mean you joke but like the fact that you do really like on and like you want to like that's what you chose and that's your game like i think that's part of like those feel like your friends and if there's a character you don't like you just don't hang out with them whereas in a, in a show it's like well i guess so, i have to watch a 30 minute episode idea, about that guy idea i beat the game i send my save file to Mr. and Mrs. Anime, and then they they make an anime based on my confidant levels with everyone. You might I mean, it would be cool. It would be cool, if were, anime? Yeah. it would be cool if they were pre-baked. I mean, you're joking, but it would be cool if they were, like, pre-baked. Like, basically, like, you could assemble your own, like, pieces into, like, like so, so they could make, like, an on route like and this. a Makoto route and whatever. Started, I started laughing because there was that, that video game that we've both played that, that I've spoken to you about that has the anime ending movie. The sex one? Yeah, yeah <laughs> That's why I didn't say game. what it was. You can say sex flash game. Yeah. That's fine. So it was just dating. So it was like one of the it. earliest flash games we both remember playing yep. was this dating sim that was pretty much just a sex on sim. E-bombs. Like E-bombs or Newgrounds. Yeah. yeah. And, but it was like super tactical. We were there when we were talking about We were talking about it at dinner like a couple weeks ago at Red Dog. We were talking about oh, early games. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was too distracted by the beer bread. But I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, the beer bread. <laughs> like it's not a great podcast. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> that the... Uh, Ending episode is tailored to whichever goal you end up with. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. got that. Yeah. Yeah, so we should just do that. Someone make me a pornography where uh, my main character, who I named Akira, is making love to On. Thank you. Oh, I next like question. the one with the canon name. Thanks. Uh, next question, I guess, continuing with Persona. Uh, Chris Tomaszek asks, when Atlas inevitably re-releases an enhanced version of Persona 5 a la P4 Golden, what new feature would they're you not, want to make? No, play? I don't think they're going to. I think that... They had to do that because they're always late in the generation. Because Persona Four but, came out for it was a PS2 game when PS3 was yeah, already a thing. And and so, exactly like and so like they're they're generally late, so they do enhanced versions. But like this time, instead, they just simultaneously came out on PS4. Also, I think it's so. Like, that PS4 release was yeah. in place of Persona so this Five. Would have been like imagine if Persona Five had come out on PS3, yeah, like when they said it was going to come out, like. 13 or 14 or whatever, yeah. And then I feel like we would have got a PS5 enhanced edition. I agree. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. I think it would have been a more typical Persona timeline if it had actually come out in winter 2014, but on PS3, despite PS4 being sure. out. And then, exactly, then two years later, you get, like, an expended or extended extended <laughs> hey i'm sunburned everywhere including my brain um, uh like a, a new version with extra yeah. stuff but well, I, I don't know i don't even think we'll get dlc honestly i think they're gonna milk this into persona 5 fighting persona 5 dancing like the same way they did with four to vaguely rephrase this question to to answer it like if they were to re-release it with an enhanced version like mm. persona 5 golden uh, what new features would you want to do? So it's missing the Aeon. Like what they do in those extended versions is they add an extra social link, basically. So it's like Aeon was um, I guess in Persona Three FES, and it was uh, Marie in Persona Four Golden. I believe it was I guess in Persona mm-hmm. Three. Um, so they're they're missing that extra social link. I don't know. Or being able to choose the gender of your main character. 
That would be kind amazing. Of like Fade in Portable, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know who that would be in this game. Oh, it would be a character who already exists in the world? Well, I mean, I assume, right? Because this, uh, in this story, it would be very hard to inject another character because this one is much more like everyone's working. I don't sure. know. It, I want to date the bartender at Crossroads. Yeah? Yeah. That'd be cool. There's a bar in the game called Crossroads. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a place near IGN called Crossroads. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you want to date someone who works at Crossroads? I know Maybe. exactly which one you mean. Don't kick shame. Uh, our final one? question by Aiden Simmons. Uh, where's one place in the world you haven't been that you would like to go? Japan and or Belgium. Ooh. Uh, big two. Barcelona? Mm-hmm. Or... I feel like Iceland would be. Really you guys haven't been to Alaska. You should go there. I want to go to Alaska. Like to Alaska. I want to. I want to see Aurora Borealis. Shout out to Alaska. It's the most yeah. beautiful thing I've ever seen. My roommates. Wow. My roommates' parents live there, and I feel like I should just go like milk that while they're there. Oh yeah, yeah. we should all go. Yeah, it's amazing. It's. Uh, I, you have to see the Northern Lights. Yeah, and yeah. like the way that I explain how beautiful it is is that it was minus forty-two or something absurd. And we were in the Arctic Circle, and I walked outside of, like, the truck that I was in, immediately get asthma. Like, it hits me in the chest. I cannot breathe. Straight mm-hmm. up can't breathe. And my face hurts. I'm freezing cold. And I still just stood out there for, like, 20 minutes staring at the sky, not being able to breathe. And being in, like, the most temperature-related pain I have ever been in. But I was like, I do not care because this is the most beautiful thing that I will ever witness. It was also because you were depriving your brain of oxygen and so like you just yeah. you didn't really know what was going on yeah but no I've, I've heard it is literally one of the most beautiful things on earth it's the thing that's like particularly surprising about it is that it moves really quickly mm-hmm. it's like a river mm. so like one second it looks like it's flowing one direction and then it just completely like crosses across oh, the that's sky so and cool. yeah it's incredible it's so, so pretty it's like the kind of moment where you're looking at something and you're like damn like this is the universe that we actually live in yeah that's real yeah it's cool like i maybe once or twice in my life i've had that feeling of like oh like this isn't like a pretty effect in a movie. This isn't like a pretty thing in yeah. a game or whatever. Like this is like something that's so beautiful that like it does look like it like shouldn't actually be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty great. Otherwise I want to go to Japan for obvious reasons. Bad rules. Yeah. Japan. yeah. And hopefully I, I get to go at some point. And then uh, I want to go to Belgium. I Waffles? don't know why. I mean they have good, they're supposed to have good chocolate. You go to, you go to Amsterdam. We went to Amsterdam last year. Well, I was going to try and organize like a thing around Gamescom, but now I don't know if I'm going. But uh, Mm. Belgium is just like the architecture that's really nice. And I think the way that I approach places I want to travel is like, I want to sit here and draw. You should go to Prague. Yeah, I hear Prague is gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go to Bruges. Bruges? That's exciting. Bruges, because that movie's really good. Bruges is such a good movie. It is a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's the note we're going to leave you on. You should all watch In Bruges. Yes. Uh, that was uh, Beyond Episode 503. Uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. I'm at McBiggity. Alana's at Charlanazard. Andrew's at Garfep. Uh, is there anything you want to plug particularly? Um, I Yeah, as, by the time you're watching this, my Uncharted Lost Legacy preview is up. Uh, Alana should be up within a few days after that. Um, and then also uh, I did a pretty interesting interview with Kurt Margano, uh, director on, game director on uh, Lost Legacy. So that will hopefully go up mm, later in the week or early next mm-hmm. week. Cool. So I would plug the IGN show. That's the thing we do every day uh, that is airing weeknights at 9.30. But it's also every single episode goes up on IGN.com and I think on YouTube uh, yeah, the on next YouTube. morning. So yeah. you can check them all out. Yeah, check that out. It's very cool. Um, I don't do anything good. So don't follow me for any of that. Uh, 
besides our own personal Twitters, uh, you can support the show by uh, subscribing to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash IGN Beyond. Uh, we mentioned the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash podcast beyond. And uh, any of your podcast services, uh, subscribe, leave us a like, leave us a nice comment, give us a review. Uh, every little bit helps. Uh, so for Alana and Andrew, my name is Marty. That was Beyond Episode 503. We'll see you all next week. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.